0: Can you see me pulling faces?
1: No, I can't. I'm looking at. Oh, that's else. really
0: good. I can, All the way I can see the screen is you're above me with Northern Lights in the I'm background. Really now you. you're really. Now you're so happy with all your background <laughs> changes. It's, it's sad.
1: Middle-aged man has w- worked out how to get a background on a Zoom call, and he's ecstatic about the entire thing. It is truly pathetic.
0: And you judge whether or not you think the Met Police is pathetic. Well, we've... at the end of this episode as soon as you said that you've covered Stephen Lawrence I was like go 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 let's hear some of that
1: we'll we'll, we'll come on to it later but it is just here we go again with the Met police and it's a shame because there are so many good dutiful hard-working officers whose name is tarred by this brush which is a failure as I see it a complete failure in leadership but we'll come back to that
0: are you talking about the Met
1: yes I am
0: because I haven't come across those officers when I've had to... Well,
1: then you can tell me about those, can't you? But let's we'll come on to that one. Deal with
0: we? them as because, a metropolitan lady.
1: Uh, I think you, first of all, should introduce us.
0: Oh, yeah. Every time. I'm Ben Ando. I used to work at Everywhere... And now I have a small. What do you always say? I have a small business. I'm, I'm a small businessman. Okay. I'm a very, very small businessman. And I'm, right. and I'm yeah. very happy. And I drink wine.
1: Absolutely. And you are Victoria Mitzi, who is a former journalist, currently a podcaster, and you're doing a really top secret job that you can't possibly talk about these days.
0: Former journalist? Does it count if you're in litigation with the current news organisation? <laughs> All right, does assume to become
1: former journalist. Then.
0: Oh, thanks. That's that's really more apt.
1: Okay. okay, a current journalist
0: and a skier.
1: Oh yes, you've and been And a skiing, sportive.
0: You? I was described at a parents' thing this morning as a volcano.
1: Oh god! I'm but you a, loved that.
0: I I hated it.
1: Oh, it's enough to make anybody puke.
0: I hated it. So have you
1: exposed them to righteous fury?
0: Who knows me? Who hasn't seen the
1: righteousness? <laughs> so they have, they've, ex- they've been exposed to volcanic eruptions and hot <laughs> lava going all over them.
0: <laughs> Lusty lava. Oh, God. I suppose I should just be happy that, uh, at you know, my stage of life that there's still anything bubbling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I didn't know there was.
0: oh only after a curry
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah lovely
0: and we do we used to do a true crime true prime cod past and it was it was based around what we did because we like that and then that took a bit too much research (laughs) so now we do what we do which is kind of really random and with me that that goes around the conveyor belt, and it's actually come around to round to Podcast Judge.
1: Again.
0: You think, sang over me.
1: I think it's sort of It's is, all come round
0: to po- Podcast Judge. I, I think it, it sort
1: of is still crimey crime, largely based on crime, true crime, isn't it?
0: I can't actually even try to blow my own trumpet. I just have to get the klaxon out and go... <laughs> Podcast Judge! <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> it's true, cry me, You're right. Rhymes with a dish called cry me. Do you know that?
1: Are you it's one of my, my favorites? A, hang on, did I hear that right? You're going to be a podcast. Judge.
0: I have been invited, and I'm going to see if I can fit it in my calendar. But how good is that? That must mean I'm I'm doing something right.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't want to be a judge. That, I
0: wanted an award. Hang I told on, them that. you're
1: you're in no position to judge. How how can you possibly judge anybody's podcast when this one's so bad?
0: Maybe that's the kind of... Maybe um, that's the
1: prerequisite, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Prerequisite is the word I was looking for.
1: I mean, if you can do a podcast this bad, then you must be some kind of judge of podcast, is what they're thinking.
0: Ben, if you listen to podcasts, you realise that we're probably in the upper 50%.
1: The upper echelons.
0: Oh, we've got worldwide notoriety. (laughs) And it's still tens of thousands of listeners rather than squillions. Like, uh, what's his name? Rogan. Rogan Josh.
1: Rogan Josh. Rogan <laughs> Roche.
0: We um, we're doing this from the UK. Hello, international friends. Hello UK listeners who make up the bulk of our listenership. I am in Devon, which is in the southwest of the UK, and it's I'm in the middle of nowhere. And what about you, Ben?
1: I'm in Cambridgeshire, uh, which is where I live. and what's
0: it like there?
1: Quite flat. We're on the edge of the fens. But I only ever saw also, you in London, really. Most we time. also have pretty good weather because statistically, uh, east the east of England has got the the, the least rainfall of anywhere in the UK. Oh,
0: I got what you don't have.
1: You, can, I'm sure you have.
0: <laughs> this, <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. Thanks very what, much. What have you got
1: that I don't have?
0: We got all the rain that you don't get.
1: Ah, that's because you're a rain goddess, and the clouds love you and want to water you. <laughs>
0: Did a snow dance in the mountains last week, and it snowed.
1: Oh wow!
0: It did, and the snow dance was very silly. So (laughs) clearly, the child is a witch.
1: Burn her, burn the witch.
0: (laughs) Excellent! I want to win the lottery. (laughs) Do the lottery dance. (laughs) That
1: was what they said about Mystic Meg, who of course died recently.
0: What about the predictive octopus?
1: (laughs) Burn the witch.
0: Did she die?
1: What Mystic Meg? Have you not heard this?
0: No. Oh my god! We should have done that in the
1: pod. (laughs) We are in the pod. We can do it in the pod if you want to do it in the pod.
0: Mystic Meg died. Yes. Flaming L.
1: Did you know Mystic Meg? Were you friends with Mystic Meg? Stop the press! Were you Mystic Meg?
0: Ditch Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the other thing we're going to talk about today, her skiing accident. But I think that's the story. I've said it now. Gwyneth Paltrow (laughs) had a skiing accident and some... Wants to see her, um, and that's the story.
1: Well, I think it's quite amusing, though. So, what Gwyneth Paltrow, who I could never tell her who is whether it's Gwyneth Paltrow and Nicole Kidman, they all seem to be the same to me. Um, she has denied in court that she caused a ski collision in 2016 in Utah. Um, that the man suing her says left him with life-changing injuries. Now, 76-year-old Terry Sanderson is seeking damages of $300,000, which is about, give or take, a quarter of a million pounds. And in turn, she has countersued, saying that he collided with her and left her feeling hurt and violated.
0: Hang on, let's, let's listen to some of the trial, okay? And there was a man behind me pressing into me. How did you know it was a man?
1: because he was making some strange noises that sounded male and he was large so i assumed it was a male
0: okay he was large
1: i felt all my back
0: okay pressing okay everything was great and then i heard something i've never heard at a ski resort and that was a blood curdling scream just i can't do it, it was... uh-huh. and then
1: so we've heard a bit of her there she also said that well, she very felt, whiny she felt a, oh, yeah she was very whiny and she should be on this Gwina. podcast she can swear like she wants and she she said she felt a body pressing against her <laughs> <laughs> there was Lucky a body Gwim. pressing against me and a very strange grunting noise she said
0: <laughs> but i really don't understand what the issue is it so, just is he was the, it's
1: he was a it's frotter a of as... the slups.
0: Oh, now explain.
1: Do you know what a frotteur is?
0: Oh, no, it's another one. I'm so naive.
1: Frotage is, it... is the act of getting sexual pleasure by rubbing up against someone.
0: Oh, so... London Underground.
1: Yes, so if you're on an underground train and feel a naughty man with a with a fun-sized Mars bar somewhere in the area of his waist <laughs> rubbing up against you, then you'll know that you are in the presence of a frotteur. <laughs>
0: I thought that was just a good time.
1: <laughs> Everybody's having a good time on the tube. Well, I was hoping
0: it would be a, a king-size Mars bar, at least.
1: Well, that's the point, isn't it? You would like it to be a king-size Mars bar, but I suspect the average frotteur isn't Well, I mean, isn't necessarily playing with very much.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Having said that, I've got no evidence that was Very happened. judgmental. Totally judgmental. <laughs> Massively judgmental. You know me, totally I judge sponge. everything. My God.
0: Come on, judgy-wudgy. Hey, right. um...
1: Mr. Judge, what you were? Judge Ben? Yes,
0: I got spunked up on on the underground.
1: Did you really?
0: Yeah. Well, Well, that was by you. You're a frotter.
1: (laughs) Was that when you were on your fluffy tube? You didn't know it was me.
0: And then you noticed it was Mitts, and you're like, ah! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Whoops! (laughs) So hang on. So who coughed his filthy yogurt on you on the
0: tube? I'll never know. I left. I went to look down because something felt uh, a bit strange yeah. on my trouser leg. And yeah. there was just a whole load of. Oh, what did you say? Coughed something. Coughed As his filthy a yogurt. Yogurt. There was a filthy yogurt all down the back of my leg.
1: Are you sure it wasn't just actual yogurt or somebody just spilled like a bit of milk or something?
0: It looked very much like spunk. Disgusting.
1: Okay. What does spunk look could like? Could you
0: tell the difference? Of, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I've seen it on telly.
1: Has it changed, do you think? Do you think we've do you think as humans evolve, spunk is going to change in appearance?
0: Oh you could tell that, because I wouldn't have seen a hundred year old spunk. Well I sort of hundred <laughs> year old spunk.
1: <laughs> is a hundred year old spunk the same as spunk produced by a hundred year old man?
0: Like sawdust.
1: This is a bit like known unknowns. <laughs> you can have a fresh spunk from a one hundred year old man and a hundred year old spunk that was spunked up by somebody who was like fifteen in nineteen twenty two or something. It probably
0: looks about the same.
1: Do you think it does? I think one I'm, one I'm might really have dried. One might have dried a bit.
0: What's really weird is that I could say for, with certainty, looking down at my trousers, what that was, yeah. yet. I wouldn't be able to tell you the first thing about a 100-year-old's bunk.
1: Yeah, oh, there you go. Did you taste it? So
0: maybe I'm not such an expert. Yeah, I did, um, I did scrape it off with um, a spoon not
1: with and you, not with eat your, it. Not with your oyster card.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it looked like an oyster. <laughs> I scraped the oyster up. But yeah, although fun days of London.
1: Yeah, I bet you miss London, don't you? You miss being jizzed on on the tube.
0: Yeah, not helped by the Met Police. Oh, sorry, there are loads of really hard-working officers, I forgot. (laughs) I just didn't see them.
1: (laughs) What, for Jeers?
0: Oh, no, I did see them. I saw a lot of officers. There was one cafe on uh, the, you know the road, down by um, K-West, where where? it's a police hangout for breakfast. Oh, Okay. And I always used to wonder what would happen if they saw someone nick it, because there was regularly stuff going on down that street. If they saw someone doing something, whether they would actually put down their full English and make chase or whether they would sit there, because I wonder.
1: I suspect we both know the answer to that's a big fat no.
0: I'd be like, oh, excuse me, someone dished on my leg.
1: They would insist on on completing their full Englishes.
0: Oh, unless we get back to Paltrow?
1: Yes, by all means.
0: So is it as simple as she's got loads of money, she knocked me over on the ski slope, I'm gonna get some money.
1: And I see there's I I see a payday here. I suspect it is as simple as that. I mean, you know, who we've we've both skied and you've I mean, you know, I've I've collided with people, I'm sure you've collided with people, people have collided with me. It's just one of those things that happens and you just sort of get up, dust yourself off and move on, don't you?
0: I'm saying I'm reading a thing on the BBC you do. Um Saying that skiing is safe in, safer than other sports. Yeah, it's absolutely. got this whole report about how safe skiing is.
1: They fell on the ground to de- together and we were almost spooning, said Gwyneth Paltrow. But she clarified that she was not accusing Mr Sanderson of sexual assault.
0: It took place on a beginner's scope. I
1: <laughs> that mean she enjoyed it?
0: She also <laughs> I don't was... think so. She was. She apologised for her language. Yeah. She
1: apologised for screaming a profanity at him fortunately Adrenaline can take over.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: She's She gives great face. Did you know this about Gwyneth Paltrow, that she founded oh. a lifestyle brand named
0: yeah. Goop? Oh, everyone knows that. <laughs> Except most of us have come face to face with Gloop. <laughs> Goop. More on a regular basis.
1: <laughs> it's an anagram of sort of G-Poo, as g- in it's Gwyneth Poo.
0: <laughs> That's like gangster version of it, g Or hey, Poo
1: G. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gangster version, G. Poo.
0: I can't believe it was on a beginner slope.
1: Oh, she was not the sunshine son of the slopes. Is she? A, she
0: was not. Oh, you managed to then? say was it. She, was she just learning to ski? I don't know. Maybe it's because she's so famous. Oh, though, maybe she had yeah, her she
1: son goes. with her. She had her. Oh her, yeah, her, she did. Her son Moses, who clearly failed to part the snow. <laughs>
0: I only just got that. I was like, why would it?" Oh, right. She felt hurt and violated as only a celebrity can. <laughs> she gives good face. She said. And actually, when you see her on those videos, she's a lot better talking.
1: Oh, no. She wasn't. She must be learning because the day skiing, including for lessons for her, her now husband, Brad Falchuk, and four children crossed over $9,000.
0: The day skiing. The
1: day skiing. Goodness me. Obviously, they saw her coming. They saw Gwyneth coming. And um, I didn't read Gwyneth and her gloop. I actually read somewhere the whole point of this trip wasn't really to go skiing, although obviously they did. It was so her kids could meet Brad's kids, and they could see if the kids got along before they decided whether to proceed with their relationship or not. Oh no!
0: And there she is, arse over tit, going fuck off in front of all the kids,
1: losing (laughs) her rag. Both parties claim they were going downhill and therefore had right of way. What does Brad Childfuck do?
0: I bet he's. They always marry financiers. I bet he's noticed. a financier,
1: isn't he? Yeah, he's a financier or an agent. He'll be a financier or Falchuk. an agent.
0: Falchuk. Yeah.
1: Is Falchuk a Jewish name? Mm, let's have is, is, is. is it Eastern European? Is it of Polish or de- de- descended from Polish or Czech or something?
0: I'm just looking up Mystic Meg. I can't do everything at once. You <laughs> look him up. <laughs> She's not dead. You made it up.
1: She is dead, Mystic Meg.
0: Mystic Meg. She dead. Oh, dies. Aged 80. This is two weeks ago. Yeah. Mystic Meg's dead, everyone. I just called her Mystic Smeg.
1: <laughs> What's not what you had on your leg?
0: <laughs> There's nothing mystic about it. Mitzi Smeg. <laughs> mystic
1: Meg dies aged 80. Mar- TV astrologer Margaret Lake, better known as Mystic Meg, has died aged 80. Her agents said, without any question, she was Britain's most famous astrologer by a million miles. Nobody came close to Meg in that respect. Oh, Yuri Geller, Israeli British TV personality Yuri Geller led the tributes.
0: Oh, he leads all the tributes. He He always gets in there. He's such an old auntie. But it's true,
1: though. When I was at IRN, it was like, oh, God, somebody's died. Who do you ring? It was either Yuri Geller or Christopher Biggins. Oh yeah, they were, they were the go-to sort of pay tribute yeah. to some kind of minor showbiz type person. And I have to say, Christopher Biggins is top value, no matter who it was. It could be somebody as randomly unknown as, I don't know, Paul Nicholas, who used to be in, I don't know, Just Good Friends back in the 80s. And if that person had died, Christopher Biggins would have some kind of an anecdote about it. And he would say how, you know, what a fantastic talent they were, blah, 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 which is exactly what you wanted in 20 seconds. I think Yuri Geller's got that as well.
0: Oh, she married the guy. She's well, she married Gwyneth- Uri Geller? She's No, Gwyneth, going back to Gwyneth. Gwyneth Kate Paltrow Falchuk.
1: Gwyneth Paltrow Falchuk? Is that what she calls herself nowadays? Mm. Okay, that's not a mouthful, is it?
0: No. <laughs> Brad Falchuk is an actor.
1: Oh, he's an actor, is he?
0: Yeah, that's the other thing they always do, isn't it? They oh. go for other... Have a look, he's got a weird face.
1: Sorry, I'm just re- reading one of Mystic Meg's lottery predictions here. Let me read it out to you. <laughs> this is this is when she was predicting who would win the lottery. Gemini's bureaucrats, ladies called Linda, and part-time flautists <laughs> will be celebrating too.
0: Oh, shit, I'm none of them. <laughs> I, I suppose I could play the pink oboe. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Would that count? Oh,
1: you're a fleshy flautist.
0: <laughs> that sounds really good. It doesn't sound like what it is.
1: <laughs> I think what it is is really good. Well, it depends if you. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay.
0: If you're the piper or the pipey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're the. Piper, or the pipe. Or the...
1: If you're the piper or the piped. <laughs>
0: That's a skiing analogy, a bit.
1: Oh, what well, half pipe, isn't it? In the downpipe. Isn't it Is it more snow, snowboarding or skiing? Half do your pipe? kids
0: do jumping and tricks and stuff?
1: Yeah, they do. They're really good at it. I can't. I can't oh, jump. To save. My, I can't jump for a toffee. I. I, I can ski it's quite well. For, it's I not for. It's not for the aged. I just can't jump at all. <laughs> I've just never been able to jump on skis. I can ski quite well, but
0: God, carrying skis and, up and down hills was too much for me. <laughs>
1: But I'll be going down with Josie and she can easily outpace me. She's really good. She'll sort of see a bit of ridge. She'll make a beeline towards it and sort of get like six feet of air or something. And I'll be like, how do you do that? (laughs) I just can't do it.
0: Oh, it's not for you, though. No. You're much more sort of um, ground based, aren't you?
1: I think it's more of a nerve thing as well. Like, you know, if I'd sort of been, you know, when I was in my 20s, I could do it. But now I just I think in my mid 50s, uh, I sort of think to myself, do you know what? Do I want to do? I want to hear the the nasty crack of a femur, a brittle old femur giving way. No, I don't.
0: But you didn't mind when you were showing off. It did you used to show off to Mrs. A, the former no. Mrs. A? No,
1: I didn't show off with my skiing, but I did show off with my languages because we were the first time we ever went skiing together. We went to France, and um, I I I just walked in there and quite happily bought our ski passes speaking French and sort of sorted stuff, ordered food in French, thinking nothing of it. And, but it turned out later that she was very impressed with how I confidently spoke a, a foreign language. Oh, la, la. And yet she had but just as so... good an education as me.
0: Yeah, but it's so English just to have this sort of thing like, I either do or I don't speak a language. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, mean, I, I know that you don't, you, you're not bilingual.
1: <laughs> you
0: are strictly heterosexual linguist. I'm cunning linguist. <laughs> You got them. I walk into these traps, don't I? <laughs> um, but you, she'd never know, would she? Like you know, a bit I'm, of I, a glue
1: vibe. I'm I say I'm almost bilingual. I can speak Italian. I just couldn't do the job that I did here in Italy. I, my my technical Italian, my vocabulary for say covering a complex court case uh, would, would or, or, or indeed reading Although, the astrological need... forecast of Mystic Meg, would not be good enough.
0: Going back a few weeks to Berlusconi. Would you really need any complex lingo for any Italian stuff? Not really.
1: Yeah, all I need to be able to say is bunga bunga.
0: Yeah, and like, mi dispiace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can we move on to the other thing and then go home? Of course. Oh yeah, we were going to, okay, 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 okay. I've got a few open here. Uh, also, oh, I love you all for your, your feedback. I want to say it every podcast because they're like anyone who bothers to listen to this, cheers and to, you know, to send me things and, um, and just be nice to us and ask us to do things because we're shit. <laughs> so, well, thanks. Oh, subscribe and do that stuff, please. And buy me a coffee forward slash YDLMF is where you can buy us for small artistic coffee if you like what we do uh, for free for and without ads. But uh, if you don't buy me a coffee, I'll, I'll make you listen to ads soon because <laughs> I'll have a bit more time on my hands once I finish something that I'm doing. Let's leave it cryptic at that.
1: Oh, God, that sounds frightening.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. The Met Police, did it fail women and children because it was a boys club? And for those of you that don't know, it's the Metropolitan Police in London. Greater London?
1: Yeah. Yeah, in London, yeah.
0: And surrounds
1: London and its environs, although you see you see the problem is that you've got Surrey police, for example, will investigate something that's happened in Walton on Thames, and then they'll there's they okay. you get this issue yeah. where the Met the Met Police and Surrey will sort of not exactly come to blows, but there will be sort of a need to cooperate and that doesn't always go smoothly.
0: Just like anything, really, when you need to, just um, like anything, work together. Everyone wants to be a kingpin.
1: Everyone wants to be the large fromage, the big cheese, the top cop.
0: <laughs> um so what do you okay there are two things i want to ask you first of all uh-huh. how is this connected because i know that it always has its feet when anyone talks about police incompetence or institutional problems it comes back to stephen lawrence yes so, so uh
1: this all started mm. i suppose with the murder of um, stephen lawrence which at the time was a shocking crime in south Lust- south london Uh, And the the Met Police just completely muffed the investigation, basically. Um, And later on, it was alleged that they muffed the investigation because they were corrupt, because they were being influenced by the father of one of the uh, accused, uh, and just because they didn't care, because Stephen Lawrence was a young black man. Um, And that was you know, and and there was various inquiries and various... um, There was the the, the huge McPherson report uh, 24 years ago, which Uh, looked into racism in the Met Police and and it found that there was the Metropolitan Police was an institutionally racist organisation that was really significant I remember um, covering that and I was down at the um, uh, building in South London where the whole inquiry took place and That was telling the Met Police you have an institutional problem. It's not just a few bad apples, but within the Met Police, it is an organisation that has come to accept everyday racism as a simple function of what it is and what it does that's what institutionalized means it doesn't mean that there are a few bad apples in there it doesn't mean that there are uh, you know some some officers it means that if you are a good officer in there then you, you it's pointless saying anything because the whole organization has as its starting point that it is fundamentally going to treat people differently on the basis of what race they are and that's whether they are the victims of crime as stephen lawrence was or whether they are perpetrators of crime um and of
0: course, the the attack was had a, a, a was racist, mot, motivated by racism. Absolutely, yes. So so Stephen Lawrence was the
1: victim of a racist murder. He was murdered by um, white racists uh, because he was black, or in part certainly because he was black.
0: As a result of all of the process, um, his mother Doreen Lawrence has become very famous, hasn't she?
1: Well, she's baroness now, bar- uh, and uh, you know, she, and she's been speaking out since um, since this happened. So, so we have the institutionally racist Met Police, and over the last twenty or so years, twenty four years, I think it is. You know, we have all hoped that the police will get its house in order, and the police has done a lot to try and, and get this sorted out. To be fair, to be fair to successive Met Police commissioners from um, Sir St. Paul Stevenson through Cressida Dick to Mark Rowley now um they they have uh, you know bernard hogan Howe. they have all tried to do more they have tried to recruit more um officers from um, black and ethnic minority groups um and they have tried to make it clear that racism within the met police is no longer acceptable now what seems to have happened in in doing all that and i i do i do think that they have made um significant progress in that area i think in doing that they've sort of taken their eye off the ball of other areas in which they could be institutionally something ist or institutionally failing a particular cohort of the population and the murder of Sarah Everard by the serving police officer Wayne Cousins has shown that and and the subsequent me too and lots of stories of similar incidents and people and, and and women you know in many of them saying they have had similar experiences of being vef- left either feeling very frightened with their encounters with the police, feeling very violated after encounters with the police, after police officers who have investigated, say, a crime that um, they were the victim of and then sent them inappropriate texts or comments. There have been WhatsApp groups um, where police officers have shared, um, you know, vile material. And what's become clear is that while they may, may have been trying to sort out its problems with racism, it, it sort of it allowed this boys' club... Um, Culture to uh, continue to the detriment of how the Met Police was dealing with crimes involving, or you know, women and girls as victims.
0: The things that stood out to me about this recent, there was an inquiry, wasn't there, which exposed this kind of boys' club culture um, and as a year long review condemning these systemic failures, which left uh, rape evidence contaminated. And often the material evidence from rape trials was just stuffed into fridges and ruined so it couldn't be used anymore. There was also a Sikh officer's beard cut and ham left in the shoe of a Muslim officer. Do you know what it smacks of? It smacks of boarding school bullying, that type of thing, just really mean and childish.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I mean,
0: that, that found that um, it said that there were failures and also Doreen Lawrence joined in and condemned the force and, and backed up and said it was rotten to the core.
1: Yeah, so so this the, the Casey review, as you may have uh, gathered, was not, not done by Casey Jones. It was done by Baroness Louise Casey. Now, Louise Casey is a woman who... Um first came to prominence during the sort of the years of the early Blair government when she was made um homelessness czar and then respect czar with and tasks with looking into just improving social justice and social fairness for for lots of people in society. And since then she's gone on to sort of, I suppose, make a career working in those sorts of areas. And she was asked to look at the Met Police here. And she's yes, there is still racism going on. But what she found, I think, really was that it's it's all part of what you could call prejudice whether it's um you know sexism whether it's racism it's all aspects of prejudice where you treat somebody different because of something about them and that's what the police fundamentally should not be doing the whole point you know the, the bottom line of being a police officer is that you treat everyone equally without fear or favor. I mean, that is the classic phrase, isn't it? And you know, when you're sworn as an officer, you swear to treat people without fear or favor to uphold the law. And if, as soon as you stop doing that, then you are failing as a police officer. And it's tragic because actually we need the police. We need the police to be good. We need the police to be effective. And we need to be, all of us need to be able to trust the police. Um, and you know, you know, I wrote a book about police bravery, and that um, I interviewed some amazing police officers who went way beyond the call of duty, and that's what it's called, by the way, um, <laughs> to 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 help people, to save lives, to rescue people who are in trouble, to and everyone
0: who fancies your voice, Ben would really like the way it was written. <laughs> okay. Because it just sounds the same as you talking. <laughs> Thank you. You might have sold three copies in the 99p basket. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's, it, I, know it's, I think it's sold out, but it's still available on, on uh, like Kindle. You can still get an electronic copy. I'm not sure you'll find a hard copy anymore.
0: Oh, unless you call me, let me know. I'll sell my copy. No probs.
1: You would never do that. <laughs> Did I sign <laughs> no, your I copy?
0: No, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> in that case, <laughs> it's worth quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> huh. um, so what do you think first of all what do you think needs doing second of all can it be done
1: yeah I mean that's the big question and that's up to Sir Mark Rowley the um uh, commissioner of the Met Police to to um to figure out and I think you know it's, do you know it's a, him did you say yeah I, I so he was he used to be at Surrey Police and I did some work with Surrey Police um sort of back in the um uh Mid nineties, I suppose you'd say, two thousand four, oh, two thousand five, two thousand six, and that would time.
0: have been Millie Dowler. Millie Dowler, sorry, well,
1: well done. Yeah, you got there. okay. But but uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, Mark is a good officer. Mark is a fair officer. He will want to get this right, but it's it's incredibly difficult. The Met Police is a huge organisation, and the problem is, it's you know, any time you need to, ch- to make significant changes to an organisation that has an institutional issue. The danger is, how do you do that without throwing out the baby with the bathwater? No no officer is going to say, yeah, well, I'm one of the bad apples. I think you should get rid of me. So you have, you have to be able to identify them. And this is in a, you know, we've got a boys club where the boys don't want to be found. And then you've got to deal with them in a fair way that makes others realize that, while you know, they will be treated fairly. But at the same time, there is not an this is not acceptable behavior. And the other difficulty is actually, uh, on a a more personal level, is that, you know, when you work in a pressure environment, whether you're a firefighter, whether you work in the NHS on the front line, whether you're a police officer, even sometimes when you're a journalist, you will know that one thing that is a characteristic of the human condition is that the worse things are, the the more you use humour, often inappropriate humour, to process them. So, you know, when I you know, occasionally used to work on in war zones or in really, really sort of nasty crimes or in riots and things, you know, in in those high pressure areas, you tend to use humour to deflect or to diffuse the situation. And sometimes, you know, the humour is not to everybody's taste. And this is where it's difficult. You know, people who work in the emergency services, not just police, have the darkest sense of humour of anybody I know. And it's a very difficult balance. So sending things on WhatsApps groups that some people might find offensive might be somebody else's way of just processing something awful that's happened to them as a way of protecting their own mental health. And this is where it gets incredibly difficult. Now, that's not to say that there shouldn't that anything shouldn't be done. It is to say that you need to have a really balanced view on what's going on. Yes, institutional racism has to go yes institutional sexism has to go yes um you know rape has to be investigated properly and fairly and yes there is no room in the met police for racist officers or officers who hold racist views but if somebody is sharing jokes that are maybe a little bit inappropriate but it's their way of processing something that's terrible that's happened you have to take that into account and this is where it gets very very difficult and i think it is going to be really difficult for the met police to deal with this
0: What's your experience with the Met?
1: Um, good. I mean, you know, uh, I, the, the, I say there's a couple of stories in my book for involving Met police officers who are incredibly oh, brave.
0: Oh yeah, well, I, have, I might give it a little look actually because I didn't think we'd be talking about this topic. I mean,
1: today. Wh- I mean, one of them, in fact, involving a black officer named Charmaine Brenya, and she um she and a colleague sort of chased after some um some armed robbers who would uh, who would attack somebody um you know she was incredibly brave and yeah i mean you know it it, it there are lots of really <laughs> this is, there are lots of really good officers there are lots of officers who join the police for all the right reasons who just want to serve the community and uphold the law and do the best they can and mm. this is where it gets incredibly difficult because there are other officers and of course if you are in a if you're working in a highly stressed sometimes toxic environment closely with people when i say toxic i mean dealing with criminals dealing with uh, you know people who are trying to hurt you and you have to have and you have you're in a situation where in a in a potentially violent confrontation let's say late at night when people have been drinking um you need to know that your colleagues have got your back and so when you get into that situation where people need to know their colleagues have got their back then that can also manifest itself in protecting each other internally from say an internal inquiry and this is where it becomes incredibly difficult to Um, find the right balance between encouraging those officers to develop develop a sense of camaraderie, to develop the sort of sense of um, reliance on each other that they need to work effectively as a team in high pressure and potentially dangerous situations with the idea that if, you know, any of them are not fit to be police officers, then they know that their colleagues will not allow that will not accept that and will um, call them out on it. It's really difficult.
0: It is really difficult and there are so many different elements which the average person can draw on for their own experience because, you know, it's easy for me to say I was left when I was burgled with a smashed window till five o'clock in the morning with a baby and no way of doing anything about that window being, you know, and waiting since I reported it at whatever time I came in. You know, I had a baby. I came in at 7.30 or 6.30. You came in and
1: had a baby. Well done.
0: <laughs> but you know that's inexcusable. They turn up, say they're short staffed, short scarfed, and um, <laughs> also asking an officer who, when I saw a bike which I thought was the bike which had robbed me, Pillion, of my handbag, round the corner from where it happened, and I just knock on a full police van and they go, "We're on." I said, "The bike's just there," and they went, "We're on lunch."
1: <gasps> they didn't.
0: Are you joking?
1: No, I mean they didn't. They said they were on their lunch.
0: They said they were on lunch and just ignored me, and I didn't know what to say. I was just completely astounded because I was like, "It lit." I mean, they couldn't see it from where they were, but it was kind of a street away.
1: Wow, um,
0: gosh! And they just don't didn't care. Um, and then I come to the southwest, and in Plymouth, the police didn't want to know about a domestic incident that I called up about because I didn't have an address for the people. And I said, it's going on in in the street, outside. There was a baby involved. There was fighting with this child and there was a storm going on and the child was in a nappy. And they didn't want to know because they didn't have an address. And I was just astounded again. My experience then, what does that say? It's not just the Met.
1: No. No. No, I and, mean, then, and the case review isn't just about the Met, to be fair. Um, OK. It is, a sort of a, it's a, it is a review of the police.
0: Right. And then, on the other hand, you can also say, well, there are many good officers. You know, there have been times when I've been helped by them. If you see them is the other thing. I just didn't see the police when I lived in West London very often, other than en masse either in McDonald's or, you know, and when there were people running Rampage or looking through letterboxes to rob people on my street, I didn't ever call the police because they never came. And it was more stress. It's like anything. It's more stress to wait for them and then have to, you know, go through getting that stupid up yours letter saying we've investigated it and there's nothing happening. It's bleak. But you do have a lot of people with faith in the police and good experience like you, you have.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and 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 long may that continue. And I think you know, we, we need to be careful of putting things, or we need to make sure, I should say, that we put things in perspective. Yes, these institutional problems need to be sorted out. And there are certain sectors of the community who need to know that they are being sorted out. But that doesn't mean that the police can't also do a good job. There can't be really good police officers who go out of their way to do the best they can. And again, you, this is where you have to retain a sense of perspective and a sense of proportion. And just deal with them as you find them. So if you have an incident involving the police and the police act really properly and you know correctly and do a really good job, then that's good. And that's exactly as it should be. Um, the sad thing is that you can't, I don't think, certainly in London, obviously maybe in other, other forces, Devon and Cornwall, whatever, I'm not so sure about. But, you know, the sad thing is that you can't be 100% sure, guaranteed that you will get that kind of service. It does depend on which officer you get to some extent.
0: Yeah, but also it's quite easy for someone like you to say that things are okay and that there are so many hardworking officers. But if you deal with the scumbags, which there are, and the fact that one of the officers who told that Casey investigation that the Mets detection rates were now so low that you may as well say it's legal in London
1: it's absolutely outrageous I agree with you and I'm not saying you should just accept it's all good I'm saying you should acknowledge when you get good policing but you the sad thing is you can't expect that and that is a real problem for the met. and I leaders.
0: do think and I hate to sound too hippie ish because you know that's not really my bag but <laughs> to say that there are some some sections of society who are more failed than other people
1: yeah sure no absolutely 100%, 100%.
0: I think that's us for another that's week.
1: That's it, that's it. Well, bye, bye week. everybody. Have we got any interactions you want to talk about?
0: Yes. Oh, we, I'm glad you said that. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> from Maureen in Brighton.
1: Oh, good old Maureen.
0: Good old Maureen. I have a small Sprite musketeer caravan circa 1968 in my back garden. It currently houses my lawnmower and the remains of an old sheep which got caught on my electric fence, <laughs> says Maureen. If I let Charles Bronson subject of our last week's podcast, Lost by Week. If I let Charles Bronson live there, do you think he'll tend to my unkempt bush?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I, I suspect he would look after Maureen's unkempt bush.
0: I love the way that that segues. This was totally unplanned. But have you seen that the inquiry, his parole thing, hasn't finished yet?
1: Oh, it hasn't finished. Oh, So, wrong. Maureen, hold <laughs> on to
0: your bush. Charles is coming.
1: Maureen's bush will have to carry on being unkempt for the time being.
0: You can hide Charles under your bushel.
1: <clears throat> I trimmed Thanks. my bush at the front last week. Did you? Mm-hmm.
0: Are you yeah. talking about your beard?
1: No, I'm talking about my my front bush at <laughs> the front of my house.
0: Oh, very nice. Are you really good about no, not Domesting at all, but it really
1: got, really got very, very unkempt. <laughs> I finally realised I ought to trim it.
0: There were some massive bushes in the French mountains.
1: Oh, I bet they were lovely bushes. You'd expect French, that, though. There's big French bushes, I mean, you know.
0: The French ladies certainly let their bushes get big. <laughs> um, all right, well, thanks, Maureen, and thanks all for for other interactions. That was a prize one. And, oh, yeah, Charles Bronson is tipped to become a massive celebrity when he comes out. So he'll be doing that in the jungle thing, I guess. Oh
1: God!
0: (laughs) Anyway, thanks for not letting me finish this week.
1: Oh, that's all right. You're welcome.
0: What's for dinner tonight?
1: What's my dinner?
0: Hmm? It's
1: a Mexican spread that I'm doing (laughs) for the girls. Doing for my daughter and her girlfriend.
0: A Mexican spreadita.
1: Absolutely. But what is
0: it? What have you got?
1: Well, well, I'll do a big bowl of chili. Oh, nice. Gluten-free wraps for the lesbians. Then I'll have regular... Are they
0: both gluten-free?
1: They're both gluten-free. There'll be a bowl of cream of sour cream some grated cheese some guacamole some i'll do some like grilled vegetables as well like grilled peppers and onions and stuff and then the mm-hmm. chili and basically you just mix you kind of make up it's like a bit of a corn it's like a burrito but without the rice so you just basically put a, whatever you want into your wrap and then you roll it up but you don't do the in.
0: rice in the burrito
1: no that's what i say it's like a burrito without the rice but what I, my top tip, by the way, anybody Sorry. listening who wants to make yeah. a nice chili is if you go to Waitrose, the other supermarkets are available.
0: Oh, you love Waitrose. so you, you, old you, lady, it's so you. you. I am an
1: old lady. You can, <laughs> you can you can you can get these this product. It's in a pink so, so, sealed bag called Lanchito Cantina beans, <laughs> and they are lovely. Lanchito, love Lanchito Cantina <laughs> beans, and they absolutely make the chili come alive. They're really really good. <laughs> They they're like it. Like, they've yeah. they're hints of feijoada about them, actually. They're Ooh. really tasty. Yeah, I can see you licking your lips.
0: Mm. But yeah. are they normal refried or?
1: No, this is the point. They're not beans. refried. They're cantina beans. They're black beans that have been, I don't know, prepared however they prepared, and they've got like they've already got like a sort of a. They're in like a, their own juice, if you like. But there's also sort of spices in there as well. It's just really good. It's like in a sealed bag and you just pour. I'm them not in a waitrose
0: chili. type client though.
1: Oh, that's my. That's not my problem. I can go. I can get and I can get them, and I'm loving them.
0: <laughs> well, enjoy your improper burrito. I just had a proper one.
1: Oh, well done, you. Very good. I know.
0: It? I found an okay. Oh, this is really, really embarrassing. It's a fast food a Mexican called Taco
1: Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Taco Bell. I've never heard of Taco Bell. Taco Bell's famous.
0: It's famous, but it's crappy. But I really yeah, like really it. Good. Well, if you have a burrito, it's got rice, it's got beans, and it's got guacamole. What more do you need in it? Although I've noticed everyone says, oh yeah, but I think this is seven layers and I don't quite know what it's got in it. But I've I've noticed you have to say guacamole.
1: Oh, do you indeed? I thought you said that. Guacamole.
0: (laughs) So I've had that and I feel as full as a pud right now because I had um, the beefy things.
1: Uh, tacos you know
0: tacos I had a taco as well as a burrito <laughs> Think
1: about so I'm a very fatty
0: mitsito <laughs> <laughs> right bye bye everybody so bon appetit Have good evening bye